Welcome to Intersectionality and the Diaspora. I'm Clara. And Melo. And we're two Centro Americanas navigating the traumas and triumphs of living in diaspora. We share our truths, experiences, and observations as LA Race Centro Americanas and invite you to join us in our conversations. So grab some cafecito or vinito and sit with us as we explore all the beautiful differences and similarities that make up our global community. continuing our series on surviving PWIs and I'm excited to share that we have a special guest today who will straight up blow you away. We have Amy Bignon from Amy LP Productions here to discuss her upcoming documentary titled An Other Oppressive Dynamics. Amy and her team are creating a cinematic experience that portrays the realities that BIPOC endure within predominantly white institutions with a focus on the nonprofit sector. Her project offers an intimate perspective on the harm and the healing that occurs within these spaces. We have extreme gratitude for her being here with us to share more about her journey and her project. Welcome, Amy, and thank you so much for being here today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for inviting me to be on your podcast. I feel so honored to be in this space with you, and oh, I just feel so grateful. Thank you. I feel the same way. I am so overjoyed, like I can barely contain myself, <laughs> um, but... Oh, it's also been like a really long time since I've done this. So like, I'm really grateful for the patience and the grace that y'all are going to have with me. Um, but enough about me. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to create and other oppressive dynamics. Oh, man, where do I start? So I, I guess the, the journey to this project today um, starts with sort of my journey into the nonprofit industry. So I went to school for audio production. Um, I thought I was going to be an audio engineer. I came out and I ended up being very interested in education. Um, and I just really wanted to, to work with young people. I wanted to do youth work. Arts education really spoke to me. Um, so I came out of college with sort of that, um, I guess, motivation. And then I went straight into AmeriCorps, um, which is a whole a whole other podcast. <laughs> but um, I went into AmeriCorps and I ended up working um, alongside an arts organization through AmeriCorps. And that's where I ended up working for the next six years. So I was in a nonprofit um, and I sort of worked my way up into this marketing communication sort of position. In that job, I started out, you know, as an AmeriCorps, and then I got hired on to like do a super entry-level job, and then I um, sort of just was like, I'm interested in in documenting. I'm interested in taking photos and doing videos, and so I sort of started just teaching myself how to do all that, and in combination with my audio production background, and then I became sort of the whole communications and marketing department mm. of the organization doing handling everything social media you know communications publications graphic design you know all the fundraising videos all the, the graphics for um, fundraisers and everything like that so I um, yeah I mean I am grateful for my nonprofit experience because I was able to learn all of that stuff and how I came to be here today working on this project, this my first feature documentary film and other oppressive dynamics is that when I was at that nonprofit, some stuff happened. Um, things had been happening for a long time. There was a lot of microaggressions I was experiencing. There was definitely a lot of tokenism for me. There was a lot of white saviorism. There was just a lot of upholding of white norms, you know, all of these things that I'm sure 
people in nonprofits and predominantly white institutions are very familiar with, um, mm -hmm. unfortunately. And it just reached a point where a few of the staff were leading some equity work and some actual restructuring of the organization. And they were, it seemed like everyone was on board. Um, and then they were just promptly fired one day. Mm. And it felt like there was such momentum for the work that we were doing and the restructuring and talking about pay disparity and having really, really good, actual transparent conversations until one day it was just like, nope, it's not going to happen anymore. Mm. And um, we never reached a resolution for any of that. You know, obviously there was such a division within the staff and you know, I definitely was in a in a privileged position in order to be able to like try to advocate um, after those staff were fired and even more staff were fired and left. But it reached a point where I was just like, I have no more integrity to work here. Mm. And I had been thinking about going freelance for a while. And so it was sort of that final push that made me go, I, I finally need to make this leap. Um, mm -hmm. And the day that that happened, the board had come in to a staff meeting and basically gave us an ultimatum that you either get on board with whatever they say the mission is and whatever they say the direction of the work is or you get out and you have to declare what your sort of quote unquote allegiances to the organization mm. and I couldn't deal with that because I was like I believe in the mission of this organization absolutely um, but what you're, what you are defining as the mission and how you are coming in and bringing this energy is not okay. Mm -hmm. And that was the day that I resigned. And I, again, I was privileged to be able to choose to resign. I tried to do as much as I could when I was there, but ultimately I knew I would, I would be leaving. So that led me on a freelance journey. And then I decided, um, actually, uh, actually a former coworker sort of floated this idea to me and I decided to to run with that and make this film about um, oppressive dynamics in nonprofits that we are experiencing. And, you know, more people started sharing their stories with me after they heard about all this. And I've heard from so many more people at this point with, you know, what I've put out so far. And um, it, it's just clear that it resonates mm -hmm. and um, it, it feels like the film that I need to be making right now. So that's the, uh, that's the story. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. It is. And wow, what a journey. And yes, everything that you said definitely resonates with me. And I know that our listeners will definitely resonate because this is universal, you know, and I think it's very intentional of these systems to convince us that it's not universal, that mm. we are the only ones who are experiencing these. And is in that isolation that we begin to, you know, wither away really mm. and truly and so to come together and to not only openly discuss but to like present it as fact in the way that you were doing is so powerful and so necessary also like unseen up until this point so like whew. Mm. and I understand that this is incredibly hard work right and it can be re-traumatizing so how do you ensure that you're taking care of yourself and those involved in the project? Mm. Yeah, so I, I feel like at this point, it's been two years since I left that organization. So I've definitely had enough space away at this point that I can sort of, you know, give you that whole spiel and kind of talk through it um, without it being too um, emotional for me. But, you know, there is definitely that, that period of time that is different for each person of like, 
coming out of an organization in a situation like that and and reflecting on everything that happened and everything that personally happened to you and everything you witnessed happened to other people and that just really taking a toll and you know trauma doesn't ever fully leave leave you it's mm-hmm. always going to be there so that is an important question of like how do we manage that in our bodies in our in our hearts and our minds like how do we deal with that um and i think for me it's been about sharing space with other people for sure mm-hmm. um you know there's there's a certain uh limitation i guess of you don't want to just like trauma dump on other people and you don't want like to re-traumatize other people but it there is a certain point where it does feel good to like just resonate with people mm-hmm. and sort of have that kind of maybe you just need like a ranty space sometimes where you can just be like this shit happened to me and people other people can see you for that and be like i totally get that because something similar happened to me and like having that space to to um, bounce off of other people to know that you're not alone in that experience because it can feel very isolating when you're when you're in that and it can feel like it's it's only happening to you or it's only happening at this organization when really that's not the case and so I think you know for this film I'm really focusing on the process like it's not just about making a product at the end of the day it's not just about a, a film piece you know it's it's about the entire process and so making sure that we hold that space for each person, you know, making sure I have, you know, I've done a pre-interview with everyone just so that we can like, they can understand the process and like understand what we will be talking about during the interview. Nothing's like coming out of left field. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's all going to be like discussed beforehand and it's only going to be what people are comfortable sharing and taking care of that space is the number one thing um, above all else. And then also for my crew too, like a lot of them have gone through their own nonprofit experiences too. And, you know, I definitely realized this can be, it can be hard too to like witness other people sharing their story, holding, making sure we're holding space for them, checking in with people, you know, having like a grounding circle before we begin the interview mm-hmm. process. Like I just want everything in this. I set out making this film and also just my entire freelance like um, process to be non-traditional. I mm-hmm. don't want to replicate these systems that I've left behind. I don't want to replicate any of those toxic structures. I mean, you know, I, I am doing my best and noticing if anything is going awry. And and I don't also, on the film side, don't want to replicate any of those toxic structures that are within the film space that is, you know, highly white male dominated, that's highly like shrouded in um, sort of a, this boys club and like who like whoever you know and like you kind of can't get into it unless Mm -hmm. you're a certain type of person and you have a certain way of working and that's just not how I wanted to do this I intentionally hired all um, BIPOC women and non-binary crew like because I was just like that's how I want to do it Mm -hmm. like I sure I could go hire you know someone who's like a white man who's been in the industry for a long time has the top pro equipment and like can get it done but is that really who needs to be in this room like it's really not that person can't resonate in the same way with these stories so it was very important for me to choose the right people to be involved that could hold that space with me and I was just very upfront about that process with everyone to begin with that Mm. it's it's all about that space and that process like we're not just trying to like push something out to Netflix like this is this is a whole journey and I wish I could interview so many more people that reached out to me but 
you know, for, for now, it's like we're, we're just holding space for these stories. And then, you know, maybe maybe after this, you know, something <laughs> maybe some uh, some rich people could uh, could fund it so we can do more. Right. So we can right. do more because it does take a lot of resources to do it. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I hope that answered the question. I know there I, <laughs> there was a lot in there. But. There is a lot in there. And you totally answered that question. So thank you. Um, but yeah. So between holding the survivor stories and holding yourself through what are some ways that you introduce joy and rest to balance the load? Um, hmm, joy and rest. Yes. I have always been a singer. Um, singing is just in my soul. And, you know, it's very easy to forget this. But when I am feeling some sort of way, <laughs> depressed, anxious, all of that stuff, overwhelmed, just opening my mouth and singing something is very healing and it sounds it may sound like such a simple thing or like how could that really be how could that be so impactful like even to me I'm just like how is this so impactful but literally anytime I just start singing a song whether it's my own song or it's just a song that's like on my mind that day like I feel like songs come to us sort of cosmically sometimes mm -hmm. where you're just like oh this one particular song is on my mind I haven't listened to it in a long time but it's just on my mind today and I'm <laughs> singing it and it's like it's just really resonating and like I feel like feeling those vibrations in your body mm -hmm. just feels really nice um, you know as someone from an audio background I'm just like obsessed with sound and music and like vibrations and all of that stuff so um, it, it's just very I feel like that's that's something for me because I've been singing for so long, literally as long as I can remember. It's something that's so in my nature and it's like primal and it's, it's just like, and it's not for a performance, right? It's just me doing it for myself to mm -hmm. heal myself. So I do feel like there's healing in those, in those vibrations mm -hmm. and, and just like making sure that I guess something that I'm working on right now is making sure that because I've transitioned into freelance life and like my passion has become my work, just making sure, you know, I'm not hitting those same like levels of burnout that I would when I was, you know, at a nonprofit, making sure that I don't do that, making sure that the work is always joyful mm -hmm. because I just don't want to ever work for an employer again. And I also don't want to like burn myself out as my own boss and I don't want the work to start to feel like a consequence right. or I don't want, you know, me saying yes to things feel like a consequence. So that's something that I'm sort of working on right now in, in introducing or like maintaining that joy in what I'm what I'm doing for my livelihood and and valuing the abundance that there is rather than having a scarcity mindset, mm. um, because it's easy to just be like, OK, I can work on this thing or I can take this job or do this fundraising video for some organization for the money. Right. And that will serve my livelihood, but will it serve my heart? Right. You know, and that's what I'm really considering now that I'm taking a break from all that work. I'm just doing my documentary. I'm obviously not making money on the documentary. That's not my intention. Like I've had to raise a bunch of money and I'm putting a lot of my own money into making this, this documentary. And I feel like that's what I need to do right now, but it's also giving me a good break to say, you know, what, what actually serves my heart and how can I serve my livelihood and, you know, 
secure the bag, get that money, but also do things that are truly joyful. And just like, if I need to say no to more things than I can say yes to, then that's what I need to do to maintain my joy. Cause we got to survive. There has to be joy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what you're saying is so powerful and inspiring. I think a lot of people have a tendency to not put their joy first and not put, you know, their wellness before work because we're just so used to, you know, just burning ourselves out. That's all we know. Um, So thank you so much for opening up about that. Um, I do want to talk a little bit more about your singing, though. (laughs) Do you karaoke? Do you like sing in the shower? I want to know more about you singing, if that's okay, please. Yeah, I mean, it's like something more like professionally, it's definitely on hold because I'm doing everything else. But I mean, I just I've yeah, I don't know. It's just like I've been singing forever. I don't really do karaoke because, yeah, I don't know if that's really my scene. That's for, like, power singers who, like, are really committed. And, like, I literally went to a karaoke once and sang Time to Say Goodbye, which is, like, I don't know if you... And so I, w- I went to karaoke doing that. And, uh, yeah, some people were just like, okay, well... Um, don't know how to follow that up, but let me just do this Macklemore song. <laughs> <laughs> and no. so that's the kind of karaoke I do. So I don't think people really appreciate that here. But I don't but, know. Um, I think there are some people who would. I'm just saying, <laughs> you just tapped into a memory of one of my um, karaoke nights in Houston where somebody did sing that song. <laughs> okay. And he killed it. He killed it. Oh, Amazing. my Amazing. I mean, if yeah. you're going to do that song you already know yeah yeah seriously like i would never but the fact that there are people that do like yes yeah i feel like it's frowned upon so i'm just like okay it's it's fine well you know the thing about karaoke is you just do you yeah i mean yeah if you if you want if you want yeah but in 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 the more professional space like i work with um a a youth record label actual non-profit um totem star and Um, I do vocal coaching. We're doing it virtually right now. But so I, I do some of that. Like that brings me joy. It keeps music in my life. It mm. keeps me, you know, active and like working on that with another person, helping them with all that stuff. It, it also helps reveal things about me too and like my style and because I'm just self-taught and, you know, I have my own like vocal coaching method, but I'm also just like very clear that I'm like, I don't read music. I just go by ear. I'm just going to tell you what I know. And like, this is how I believe you, sh- you can, you can get there with your goals. And so that keeps music in my life and working on my own music. I have a bunch of songs. That's a whole other, other thing that I'm like working on, but I'm focusing on the film stuff right now. So, mm-hmm. but I believe soon, soon enough, 2022 might be the year where I start to really focus on that, that side a little bit more. That's awesome and super exciting. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Are you going to be doing any music for the documentary, or do you have somebody else that's going to be working on that? Ooh, that's a little bit up in the air, but I am really hoping to um, get some local composers. I've I've had a few people actually reach out to me so far to say that they would love to contribute music mm. to the film. Um, so I would love to pay them to contribute music to the film. It's just a matter of sort of figuring that out because I would really love all of this since it is like very based in Seattle all of that to be hyper local get local composers to add their stuff into this and be able to put them in the film so yeah that'll be a whole thing because we definitely need 
music. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so absolutely. move the story along. Yeah. Absolutely. So where are you with the project right now? Is it unfolding the way you imagined it, or have there been some lessons along the way? Yeah, so we've done three interviews so far. It's been a whirlwind of a weekend this, this past weekend. We have another mm -hmm. interview coming up this Friday. So we are really getting it done by the end of 2021 um, and maybe early 2022. We'll be finishing production um, and then uh, we're, I'll be working on, on the editing and finishing it up and by spring 2022 probably have like a rough cut at least because I'm hoping to submit to some festivals and figure out distribution but um, yeah I mean I think I am just like really honing my skills as like a leader on this project and like as a director and producer and like stepping into that role because I really actually I I never saw myself in that role like mm. it, an, up until right about when I left nonprofit or even slightly after that was when I started to maybe consider that I could even do that role. But before that, I was just like, I could never be a director. That's just not something I could ever see myself doing. Mm -hmm. I think I'm more of just like sort of a DIY person, like do video editing, like stuff like that until I realized like, oh, I'm carving my own path for this. Like okay. I am DIY. I, I don't believe in like, you have to have the most expensive fancy equipment to do this sort of work. Like, I don't believe it has to be some traditional thing that I've seen before. And you know, like Ava DuVernay, of course is a huge source of inspiration for me mm -hmm. in all of her films. Once I saw 13th, that mm -hmm. just probably was a huge source of inspiration for, for this film. And just for me to think about, being a director and it doesn't it doesn't mean that I need to be like involved in Hollywood or you that kind of director way I can still be a, a director on my own projects I can still work on hyper local or small things here maybe it'll lead to bigger opportunities but I'm I feel like I'm I'm sort of like I'm coming into that role mm -hmm. um, but the interesting thing about this project too is that um, everyone that I've hired onto my crew you know comes with their their own different like background um you know we have someone who's like a student in school right now um and then we have someone else who's like learning how to do the lights and you know everyone brings their own interesting perspective to it and like our sound mixer too is like learning and is super excited about learning and because i have audio background i'm like i will teach you everything and so there's also just this like learning and it's a co-learning process and like and you know if any of them ever want to do like we were talking about doing sound trainings we were talking about doing gimbal trainings like I'm like let's do all of that stuff yes. so that we can like learn together because this is the reason why I brought everybody together is because they're not all established professionals in the field but they're all so passionate and willing to learn along the way and like be in this sort of different environment and a learning environment and stretch their skills so so that's been I think a really cool thing to foster um I hope it's it's positive it's seeming positive for all of them you know I won't speak for them but it's, it's seeming like it's a good experience so I'm really learning how to do all of that and learn on <laughs> a good uh be be a good leader um and and value that process so I think that's that's the biggest thing I mean because the interviews themselves they're going great like I don't even need to, I, I just ask the questions and then people just go off. So mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, 
that's that this is the easy part like you just go off just tell me everything <laughs> so that's been going like super smooth oh right on right on um i would love to know more about the collaborative nature of filming this documentary um what you've shared so far like really shines a light on that but i'd love to know more if you don't mind yeah so i mean kind of like what i was saying in terms of just like bringing on people that have different um desires and what they want to accomplish and what they want to bring into this film and like stepping up into that role um, has been a huge part of it I've been you know every person I talk to I'm just like it's a collaboration feel free to let me know if there's anything that you would add or do differently like it's really it's you know like I'm doing my best to like direct everything and put everyone together and facilitate that but really it's just like you know, if someone has an idea and they want to do it that way, then I'm just like, I'm open. It doesn't need to be a particular way. Like this whole thing is an experiment and mm -hmm. it's a process. And like, I'm learning a lot too about the whole technical aspects of everything. Cause like I said, I, I did audio production, but I'm completely self-taught with camera. So I'm like, there's just, there's a lot that I don't even know there. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just so nice to have other people who are doing all those positions. Cause I'm used to going into a space and I'm doing camera and I'm doing audio and I'm like directing and I'm managing everything and I'm like making sure this the the environment the, everything is set like I'm used to go, going in and just being like a one-woman production person mm. and just doing it all myself and which is like okay I've learned how to do that but it's so hard and obviously I was not trying to do that for this film you know yeah. so it's definitely a, a, a collaborative process to bring to bring everyone together with their different ideas and I also feel like everyone's kind of they're everyone's a little bit shy and quiet so I'm like trying to encourage some of them that are more shy to just be like just go for it just you could you could do it like I'm I'm just leave you in charge of the microphones I'm gonna just leave you in charge of the camera like you can do what you want as long as things are in focus as long as it, it looks good, like, it's all good. Like, what do you think? Trying to just always ask people, what do you think? Mm -hmm. What do you think of this lighting? What do you think of this framing here? And then if I need to go in and adjust and be like, I think it would look, it would look nice like this. What do you think of this? Like, mm -hmm. just trying to co-collaborate that space and, you know, trying to lead it, but also leave it open. Right on, right on. So what are you hoping to see for your future and the future of this project? <laughs> Big questions for the project. I'll start there. I am hoping for a film festival premiere. Um, I'm really hoping for local sightings, which is sort of the the Seattle um, local film festival. And um, I think that will be a really great place for it if I can get into there. It's going to be feature film, so it is harder to pitch because mm. it's like longer. But I have faith. I feel like this needs to be feature film. Absolutely. And I feel like so many people already have told me that they would, they're totally gonna watch it and they're excited for it. They wanna see what this is. Um, so I'm hoping for that at the very least. Um, I do have some, some like sort of thinking to do around that. And I have some people that I, I've already connected with that I can talk to about some, some options maybe for distribution. There's also a possibility that this could be multiple pieces. Mm. Um, so that could be a thing, or it, we could potentially be looking at maybe a short, um, like, Clara's story, you know, <laughs> just like your story yeah. as like one piece. Um, you know, <laughs> we'll talk about it later, but like, there could <laughs> be a potential episode. for, 
for like a, for shorts to come out of this, you know. And I and I do think like since everyone we were interviewing, you know, has there's so much there that when we make a the whole film, there's we're gonna have to condense all that information, right? Mm -hmm. There's not gonna be time for all of the details to be in there. So it might be really cool to have like different short pieces for people but you know we'll see where my capacity is at um hopefully maybe we can raise a little bit more money so i can get some <laughs> some editing support and all that but um we'll see what happens with that i mean honestly netflix wasn't on the table but then i was like if it's an option maybe there's an option for i mean you know when you start thinking of netflix and like bigger distribution networks there's always going to be corruption there. So mm -hmm. it's, it's always a question of like, how much do you want to put into like, do you want to put your media on this platform that is mm, not making the greatest decisions? <laughs> um, but also at the same time, if that would allow me to like get this in front of more people, if it's, if it's worth the trade off of getting in front of more people and also like, obviously a good distribution deal money like if i had money you know i would put that straight back into community like i'd put it where it needs to go like i'd i'd redistribute that wealth like so i'm also just like there could be options there i have no idea though i'm but at this point i've realized that i can shoot for the stars That's like i can right. shoot wherever i can i can go wherever i want with this as long as i just have the the drive to to get it there mm -hmm. so it's really kind of yeah I, I i'm not exactly sure a festival for sure and then from there i don't know netflix pbs hbo i don't know yeah. somewhere it could go and in terms of where i'm going i think that comes back to like the maintaining joy in my life mm -hmm. and and saying no to things. Um, I'm sort of just really, really being careful and considering what I say yes to and making sure that that always feels like a really happy, enthusiastic yes to be doing something. And I don't know that I've really gotten that inquiry yet. Mm. Um, so I'm really happy to be working on my own project now because it is that super like, I'm passionate about this. It's an enthusiastic yes to working on my own stuff. But at the same time, unfortunately, it's not the most sustainable thing mm. because I've had to raise money and put money into this. And it's just, you know, I don't have that level of wealth to be able to, to do that. But I think I'm just trying to not stress mm -hmm. and I'm trying to be with this process and be in the moment and be every day, be in every day and see where this goes. Because I really do feel that doing this project now and all the investment I've put into myself to do this is really going to lead to other opportunities on the other side of it. Like I really do believe once this film comes out, there are going to be completely different opportunities that I never considered that will open up. There already have been. Mm -hmm. I've already, you know, I did the, I wrote a publication for South Seattle Emerald, another publication about nonprofits reached out um, and I pitched my article to them and they are, we're about to sign a contract. Um, you know, and there's, there's other, um, places that I want to pitch some articles to. So there's, there's that avenue that I never, I never considered writing for publications before. I'm mm. just like, not, I haven't been a, a writer for a long time since like high school. I've been scared of writing, <laughs> but, um, but I do feel like I, I can do it. And, um, and I really do want to write, I, I am writing a piece right now that actually goes through my entire 
sort of nonprofit origin story. Mm. And I just, I feel like that's an important one um, to share too, that I think people would have fun reading. Um, so I, I want to share more of myself and I want to, like, I, I, I stay away from this word influencer, but like thought leadership or like something around like being someone that can be an avenue into this new conversation, right? Cause like, this is not a new conversation about nonprofits and like equity and, and healing and all that stuff. But I feel like there's such, there's so many more stories that are coming to light. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with this film particularly too, like I said, like I'm not claiming to be an originator or anything like that, but I feel like with this, like it could, it could be a new wave of like, I haven't seen any film like this at a film festival or in any, uh, in any of my research that I've tried to look for a film about nonprofits, I've never seen this before. Mm -hmm. So maybe, you know, I could be at the forefront of sort of facilitating this conversation and not just me, but like bringing other people together to like facilitate this conversation about, about nonprofit harm and healing and what we can do to escape that cycle. So TLDR, it's up in the air, but I'm living each day and I'm so happy and grateful. And I'm, I just want, I'm awaiting what comes. And I will say that how I, what I'm hearing and how it feels to me is that this film, this opportunity that you are creating is really a practice of collective healing. Mm. Yep. The stories that you are sharing, the amount of heart that you are putting into this and that your team is putting into this, I mean, I recognize that it is a lot and so much beauty can grow from this. And I, I know I can speak personally my experience and just say that in this short moment that we've been speaking today like I feel so much lighter just like knowing that mm. you understand y'all understand and y'all also see that there's so much more to do because <laughs> it's real right and like the beautiful thing about healing is that once we do get to a place where we've healed ourselves and we can talk about that past harm we can inspire others to do the same in their own time yeah and I think that is another, I mean, I set out to make this project about healing, but as I listen to each person, it becomes more and more about that because it's, it's just so not about DEI and equity, mm -hmm. the diversity, equity, inclusions, whole conversation and like world of and like people, there's like DEI directors and things. It's just so not about that anymore. Like mm -hmm. sure, that conversation and that rhetoric and that framework is important, but when have like where's the example of moving past all of that conversation and buzzwords right. into actual caring about people right like and i just don't understand why it's such a radical idea it's not a radical idea to just care about people right that is not a radical idea like to just care about the individuals and their needs and like where they want to grow in their position and like their personal life and how that plays into their position and everything that they're experiencing, seeing someone as a whole person is mm. not a radical idea mm -hmm. and we shouldn't treat it as such. We should treat that as the baseline and then everything else, all of that framework, all of that terminology, all, all of that can follow because we need, to we need to lead with lived experience. Absolutely. We need to let people with lived experience lead. And I'm just like, people are people are saying it people are telling you the people who are sharing their stories people who have been through these oppressive dynamics are telling you what it needs to be where it needs to go how they need to heal and people aren't listening they're approaching it from this framework that is not working so yes 
bringing it back to that healing that's that's what it's all about it's about people yes absolutely Ooh. so what are some ways that we can support your project um i would love everyone to learn more about the project at um well there's my instagram which is amy lp productions there's a double p in there and there's also my website amylp.com and then there is the gofundme which i don't have a, a link for particularly that i can say but um that can be found on my instagram um and yeah all, all the links to everything can be found on my instagram the link to the article that i wrote if anyone wants to check that out and um, my website has my other work and sort of my framework of where I come from, my values around all this work and everything like that. So, yeah. Right on. And we'll definitely add some links to our, um, to our platform so that folks can get Great. connected and awesome. you know, support how they can. Um, real quick, I also wanted to just touch on that you're now officially an LLC, right? Yes. Congratulations. That is huge. <laughs> Thank That's you. huge. I mean, it's, it's sort of, it's like, it's not too different from a sole proprietorship, but it's just sort of the like legal entity of mm -hmm. like, my business is now a separate entity and I have a business bank account and everything goes in there and, and then I'm my own entity. So it's just like a, a just an added layer of protection, but yeah, um, there's, there's so much still around, around that, that I won't get into that is like, <laughs> that I can't figure out. Like I'm, I'm looking to hire a CPA, you know, I'm like, I don't know how to do my taxes anymore. <laughs> I'm going to need to figure this out. It's so, it gets so complicated. Um, Yo, I don't the, know the things do that they taxes. don't teach you in school, you know, where it's right? Like, like you can Gosh. very easily go into business for yourself. Like you can very easily set up an LLC, but then it's like the managing of it mm -hmm. and like the taxes. That's the big thing where it's like, oh, taxes. Those gatekeepers, <laughs> how dare they? <laughs> uh, but you know, it's okay because like I am happy to pay taxes, to pay for services and things like that. I mean, you know, definitely tax the rich. Our tax system in Washington is so regressive it's right. upside down but like you know if I need to pay my taxes even though rich people won't whatever it's fine I'll pay my taxes and then I will advocate for them to pay their taxes one day Amazon I'm coming for you seriously if fuck you, Amazon. yeah yeah no this <laughs> film is this, fil <laughs> yeah, this film is not going to be distributed on Amazon until they pay their taxes that's right <laughs> I'll be like I mean, no, I mean, we're, I'm not even going to get approached by Amazon, but if that ever was, if I was ever in the room with someone that had that power, I'd be like, well, Amazon needs to pay their taxes before you can have this film. Yeah, before and you can even I'd have leave. this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. First of all, are you paying me for this, for, for me to tell you that? Right. <laughs> paying oh. me for my time. I love how Amazon and hating on Amazon is just like regular on our show. <laughs> we do yeah. this at least like once an episode. Yeah. Because it's real. I mean, and like living in Seattle and like understanding. Yeah, we're in it. Like yeah. that was something I didn't realize when I talked to some other folks um, in like Detroit. And I was just like, it's Amazon town over there in Seattle. And everyone was just like, wait, what? And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, and then I was like, oh, I, I didn't, I, I just totally didn't realize that not every city has like a major Amazon like mm -hmm. facility and like a whole space and like tech bro area. And I was just like, it's so weirdly normal to me in Seattle to see that, but it's just so weird yeah. and it's just growing. Yeah. It's, it's daunting to see and daunting to experience and whew. yeah. But that was another thing just real quickly, like becoming an LLC and managing my own project as a business mm -hmm. rather than 
going and doing a fiscal sponsorship because I felt like that would completely just undermine the whole <laughs> idea of this project. And there's there's a lot of like politics with that, but I just didn't want to be involved in any of the any sort of nonprofit structure at all because then that could come back to bite me if they wanted to change what this project was mm -hmm. or have any say over it. And it's just like, it's not worth it to be able to like accept grants that people can deduct. Like, no, I just want people to donate to this project because they believe in it, that right. they don't need the tax deduction. Like, first of all, there's a huge problem with that whole mindset, but mm -hmm. we're not even going to go into That's it today. Episode. That's a whole other thing <laughs> with like tax structure and nonprofits and like, that whole mindset, but I'm just like, you know what? Rich people just need to pay me, okay? They need to pay. And there's a lot back of them to community here in Seattle, stuff. Okay, like, so yeah, but I'm I am very like happy to say that like I feel like the average donation on the campaign has been like maybe fifty dollars, and so it takes a whole community right of people to come together to to raise that much money. So we're at around 17k right now. In order to fully fund the project, we need to get to at least. 20k the ultimate goal is 30k so we can like really go all out and like i can pay my crew more i can like get an editor i can like get i can hire more people um so i mean if we can reach that level that would be amazing and you know anything extra will just go toward the next thing mm -hmm. um but um right now i'm just like i'm just so thankful for what we've been able to do so far and doing a, a lot of a lot of the groundwork on that stuff by myself putting it together you know, I'm just grateful for, for where we are right now. And like, if I have to spend some of my own money to finish it up, I will do that. That's what I set out to do just to make this film and put it out there. So mm. yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. It's as you can, as you can tell, it's a lot, it's overwhelming, but I also just have so much passion behind it that that's yeah. why I, that's what keeps me going. It's a true labor of love. It is. It yeah. really is. And it's like a labor of love for community, with community. Yes. It's beautiful. And I'm grateful that you're here to share this incredible journey and the process. And we cannot wait to see what comes next, how it unrolls, how it unfolds. And at the premiere, we will be there with bells on. Okay. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, you all will be the first to know once it gets its first premiere. Yeah. Like, I'm excited. <laughs> Well, those were all the questions that I had for you today, but is there anything else that you would love to share or anything that's on your heart or mind that you'd just like to mm. release? Mm. I feel like I left it all on the table there. Mm. Yeah, I feel like we covered pretty much everything that I wanted to, to share. I mean, there's just so much with this project. And like I said, just waiting for, uh, just seeing how it unfolds and waiting for the next um, well, not, not actively waiting for the next opportunity because I'm still in this, but just like I'm so excited to see where this goes and what the next thing will be. Mm. So thank you so much for, for inviting me into your space and for being on this podcast. I just appreciate you so much and for you sharing your story. I don't know if we really talked about that at all actually I that intentionally you, that you, did not talk that about that you are sharing your story for the <laughs> film like I, yeah I just realized we didn't actually touch on that at all but yeah thank you so much for sharing your story for the film and you know if that gives listeners any other motivation to see this you know Clara's story is going to be featured in this film um, so definitely check it out for for that at least <laughs> at least mm. <laughs> it is an honor and a pleasure and it is just it, there's really 
has been a healing experience for me. Like I said, just knowing that there are others who resonate and others who can learn, grow, and heal from this. I mean, it for me, it makes me feel like I didn't have to go through all of that for nothing. Mm. Like there is something yeah. that came from that. Yeah. And I am grateful that it can you know, manifest its way yes. like this with us together yes. in this conversation. And that's what it's all about. That's right. And oh, Amy, thank you so, oh, so much for being here you. today. I really appreciate you. <laughs> and thank you to our listeners for sharing space and welcoming us into their homes and hearts as well. And <sighs> collective breath. Yes. Thank you again for joining us today. Follow us on Instagram for updates and more on intersectionality underscore in underscore diaspora. We leave you with the words of the great Audre Lorde. I have come to believe over and over again that what is most important to me must be spoken, made verbal, and shared, even at the risk of having it bruised or misunderstood. With love, gratitude, and hope, Clara and Melo signing off.